0: This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we recap NetApp Insight 2016 in Las Vegas. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi, and I'm back in the studio with Glenn Sizemore. Say it ain't so. Uh, It it is so. Eye to eye, face to face, the things Uh, we can do. Exactly. Um, Not in the studio is Andrew Sullivan, who has apparently been uh, designated for assignment on the road yeah Um,
1: he's mr devops man
0: yeah he's he's literally uh, he
1: he finished doing devops at insight and then had to jump on a plane to go do devops days up in rochester we reap what we sow we do
0: (laughs) anyway so we won't hear from him for a while um he's in rochester somewhere so uh so we just got back from insight las vegas last week or i did Uh, glenn was here what did you do here glenn
1: uh, we had a it was it was just some inconvenient timing um, plus an opportunity for someone else to take the spotlight. Uh, I, I stepped back and uh, stayed home last week because we were shipping some software and uh, deploying for a pretty big customer, so we wanted to. I, I thought it was more important to just make sure that that was going to be taken care of. And uh, one of my teammates actually took took the lead this year and gave all our sessions at, at Insight US. And, and the, the, the the scores came back, knocked it out of the park, did a great job. By all accounts, it was an amazing show. I was a little sad once, once the week kicked off that I wasn't there.
0: Yeah, it was actually a really good show. Uh, a lot of good announcements, a lot of energy. Uh, the SolidFire guys really kicked in and there's a lot of DevOps involved. So, I mean, I'm sure the influence was there from them as well as just the overall changing emphasis on how storage administrators are, are playing a part in how we develop applications and, and provision storage.
1: Yeah, I, I really liked the way that the NetApp team went about that. You know, instead of talking in platitudes or, or bringing in somebody, you know, famous, you know, even though we could. Uh, instead, they, they just did a fun little skit to try to, to, to do a live representation of why this matters, why people care. Like, get rid of the buzzwords and let's focus on results. Here's an example. Here's a company with an application. It has 100,000 users. We have a user or, 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 or a developer who makes a change and 100,000 users go to zero users. How long does it take you to repair that and get back to a hundred thousand? Right? It's 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 a very concrete example. And then I loved how they were able to to pull in the the NetApp Docker Volume plugin and, and and show how doing this in ecosystem using the tools that are available now, it's 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 not that this is new. We've had this capability for a while, you know? It's 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 that it's easier than it's ever been and it's and it's directly accessible by by that content creator, by the developer themselves.
0: Yeah, and it was also a very different way to do a demo. So in previous years, you know, you usually had just a guy on the stage talking, right, mm-hmm. and, and everybody loves that. But um, you know, this mixed it up a little bit, and I think it took a little bit, uh, a few people by surprise. They weren't real sure what to think about it, but afterwards, the feedback was resoundingly positive for that particular type of demo.
1: Yeah, and then uh, the 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 entire Barnacle team that um, both on on uh, NetApp and SolidFire that's been seeing this through. They were just from what I could tell on Twitter, they were posted up in the developer cafe all week, just just available, you know, for for anyone who wanted to come by and talk about it. So I, I that particular thing, you know, we we lead it off just because we're missing our buddy who's off doing more DevOps stuff, but. Jerk. Uh, I was really happy with how NetApp went about that, and and the re- the reception that we got from the attendees, or at least what I could see afar from on, on Twitter
0: and, and YouTube. Yeah, I think I think that was that was a hit. Um, it's actually up there on YouTube now on the Insight site. If you wanted to see that, uh, you can go and take take a look at the the demo they did on stage. It was basically like a pub setting where they kind of talked about because we have the pub, it's like basically where they they store all the GitHub repository stuff. Um, but yeah, it was just you know the demo like like Glenn said, it was just a kind of a real world example of why DevOps works.
1: What got you Jazz,
0: man? What would you like last week? Mm, what I like? Um, I don't know. I don't think I had enough time to like anything. <laughs> <laughs> you were a busy man with I the was, podcast. Uh, well, not just the podcast, right? So I had three sessions, and I had to present each of them at least twice, one of them three times. So seven sessions total, the podcast dealer recaps, booth duty, a um, couple of interviews. What was the third one uh, that you had to do three times? Flex groups? Flex group, yeah. Yeah.
1: What What did, uh, what did the... What are
0: people saying about Flex Groups? They getting excited yet? Yeah, they seem to be really excited. Uh, the session I did was a Flex Group deep dive, um, and I tried to set the expectation while in the session that this session will not help you sell Flex Group, but it will help you understand it. Right? This this was not a session to look at Good. to say, oh, you know, this will help me, you know, tell my customers that I need to use it. I mean, there is some of that in there, but that was more of Sunita's session, the overview. This was more of the the nuts and bolts, and I think they people really ate
1: that up. I would argue once you understand the nuts and bolts, it's kind of easy to understand why people would want to
0: buy it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a valid um, point to make. But, I, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, you should use it for this. You should that's use true. it for this. But there is a specific use case, and we tried to make sure that was, that was really uh, presented accurately. But people seem to be uh, enjoying it. Uh, the scores are pretty good. Um, overall so i mean i don't i don't necessarily take credit for that i mean that's a lot of the product has to do that so
1: yeah i'm i'm really really excited for what flex groups can become um d- d- flex groups has the potential to simplify data management for for real customers uh, in a, in a very meaningful way today right, to be able to just give them one huge, huge bucket, huge, huge bucket that can span, you know, 400 volumes and just let the writing algorithms determine where it needs to put the data to keep the system balanced. Like, that's that's the system that, that our customers have needed. It's just taken us a really long time to build it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a true clustered file system. I mean, there are drawbacks. Um, and one of the questions that got raised while I was doing the session uh, was, you know, well, what if I wanted to move specific data, right, at a, at a volume level? How would I do that? And I'm like, oh, you, you can't, right? Because, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's a big bucket. So, yeah. I mean, there are still use cases where you want to junction off flex and control the data at a granular level. But if all you care about is just a big place to stick stuff, then and, and you know, get good performance and large capacity and lots of files, that's that's your solution.
1: Well, and 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 let's kind of keep this rolling. Uh, you know, the, another big announcement of last week, another one that that got a lot of attention uh, in in the analyst press in particular. Uh, and potentially
0: solves that problem that you just raised is Fabric Pools. Absolutely. So Fabric Pools, if you're not familiar with it, is the block-level tiering of data. So you have, you know, SSDs, which people spend a lot of money for. Uh, you know, they're they're initially where they were designed for performance, right? You want to have a performance yeah. tier. Now it's becoming a, kind of a commodity tier. Everybody's got SSDs. However, uh, you still have the concept of cheap and deep, right? SATA. But you also have the concept of cloud, And you have the concept of on-prem with S3 object with with storage grid. So you may not want to keep the data that you're not using anymore on those SSDs, your precious precious SSDs, uh, right? And you want to move that at a block level. Have pointers to the data still on your system so that when you need to access it, it can get pulled over at a block level. Uh, But just tearing it off automatically, policy based, based on like you know a date that you set. Yeah, uh, it's easy to manage. You don't have to do anything. That's, that's
1: literally like, I, again, if I go back to, to, and, and at this point, if I'm completely honest, I don't, I don't even know if my experience is still relevant because I'm five and a half years removed, right? It's, 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 it's far enough for it to start to be questioned. But, um, that was one of the huge challenges that I would have spent any amount of money on back when I was a customer. You know, we did have an extremely expensive solution that gave us uh, a, a, the ability to do an NFS mount that would combine some disk-based systems uh, with, with tape uh, in, in an older version of something like this. And in the background, it would, it would archive off uh, individual files from a directory structure and throw them on tape. And then as users tried to access it, it would actually go load the tapes and pull the data Led um, to some very interesting heuristics from an application perspective when you have some I/O that all of a sudden can take 45 minutes to actually be answered. Um, Fabric pools actually solves that same problem, but it solves it at the level that 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 we always wanted, which is let's just set data retention policies at the 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 data storage level and let the storage system just get rid of the stuff that it's not accessing. You know, if you're not if if the storage system goes Six months without ever reading a block. Clearly, that's cold data, <laughs> right? Uh, it's 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 a, it's an amazing system, and and uh, it got a ton of interest, uh, which I was very pleased to see. I was I was pleased to see the market validate that that that, that was a solution that they wanted.
0: Yeah, I mean, another thing it does that NDMP and tape doesn't do is it does it at the block level, not the file level, right? So yeah. NDMP is going to be at the file level, and, you know, there's going to be some latency associated with that, some slowness. And this is going to be maybe potentially a faster way of doing things, especially with the pipes opening up, things like 40 gig Ethernet, right? We just introduced that as well. So Yep. Um, and then eventually, you know, you know, having it maybe be local to your data center eventually. Who knows?
1: Yeah, and and that's the other thing too uh, is is the the full stack solution and the fact that with Storage Grid Web Scale we have what I believe to be the industry's best uh, uh, S3 implementation for an enterprise who wants to stand up their own object store, right? Uh, and and the fact that we can take a holistic approach and, and, and show up with fabric pools and go, no, fabric pools are how we're going to handle your long-term archive solutions. And then for larger accounts that you know look at, at, at the reality of putting that much data in, in S3 or, or Azure and go, well, actually, we're big enough that that's not cost-effective, we have an answer for them. So, so it's not really compromised. It's just a really solid architecture for handling the data archive needs of our customers.
0: That's right, and it's it's pointing us to the you know in the same direction that we've been heading since you know Curian took over, which is this data fabric vision, right? Totally. So, You know, it's been consistent. Um, the demonstrations they've given, such as last year with the Snap Mirror to Altavault, yep, um, those are coming to fruition. We're actually getting reality, right? We're not just it's not just vaporware. Uh, and then this year they announced the Snap Mirror to Solidifier within the year, so um, we get that as well. Uh, and you know, the, the, the vision is really starting to take form. And I think that's why the analysts and customers are starting to really take notice because it, you know, we're not just making, you know, making hay about something. We're actually doing something.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's, in some ways I feel like we don't get enough credit for what we're doing because we've bitten off one of the hardest problems there is right. Data gravity, the fact that, that, that physical bits have have gravity in association, and it's hard to relocate them. And we're trying to remove that. Right? We're trying to, to, to my, my analogy that, that I've used for years now is the data fabric is an attempt to engineer anti-gravity into architectures, right? It, it's, we're trying to do something that's super, super hard, and we're actually getting it done. We're getting it done very fast. We started talking about this two years ago, and today we're already
0: shipping components of it. I think part of the reason why that's happening is because we're acting as true partners, right? So our cloud providers like AWS and Azure, yeah, totally. They don't look at us as competitors because we're not. We're not trying to be a cloud provider, which other other people are, and that's that's actually one of the things they called out on the uh, on the stage and in insight. You know, the AWS uh, Bill Voss. Yeah. Right. They brought him out and he talked about it and like, you know, hey, we like you guys because you're not competing with us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, So we're going to, you know, they're going to help us out. We're going to help them out. We're going to enable each other's business as opposed to trying to to race to the top. And I mean, I I saw it as kind of like a slight dig to to people uh, out there that I'm not going to mention. But um, there are competitors out there that want to make their own clouds and they want to try to compete with the AWS and the Azure's and even the Google's. Right. So, I mean. It's a tough thing to to bite off. And if you can just get past the idea that you're going to compete in that space and you just start enabling people to get there, it makes things a lot easier, a lot less friction, yeah, totally.
1: Another thing uh, I'd be interested uh, if if how the crowd took it uh, would be the new platforms, man, because we showed up with some hardware, baby. Oh, yeah, we did. And
0: actually, I don't think we even showed up with all the hardware. Oh, I think there were some announcements that might be uh, being saved for later for Berlin, for maybe? Berlin, maybe. But yeah, like the A seven hundred series, right? So um, they announced a small form factor, all flash, fast. Uh, and we talked to Skip Shapiro a little bit at Insight, and you know the numbers that they're getting out of that for performance—let's like thousand IOPS or something.
1: Yeah, at 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 sub-millisecond latencies, it's it's ridiculous. And I think I think he said that they can crank four hundred thousand at half or point
0: four microseconds or something like that. Yeah, it's ridiculously yeah. fast and so much stuff. I mean it's
1: uh, yeah it's it's at a point of okay, yes, yeah that that's for real we're we're, we're at at ludicrous time, um
0: yeah, i it, it
1: doesn't even like at the
0: point this point it's like can the applications even keep up?
1: yeah, no, they can't like it, it was funny because last week uh Microsoft uh t- released some numbers with with server twenty sixteen uh showing um you know, basically direct access, accessing NVMe uh, from, from server twenty sixteen and you know, like where we're gonna put up five billion IOPs or whatever it is. But it's complete nonsense performance. You know, it's 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 not it's not really usable. No, no, no
0: absolutely not. Yeah. yeah.
1: The, the the point that I guess that's the point of showing that stuff off and building those boxes is to just to to just under draw a line underneath that problem and go, okay, Deming and Moore have finally solved this. We're moving on to the next one. Which is data management. It's not about speeds and feeds. It's about making it
0: manageable when you're dealing with yottabytes. Yeah, and I mean the manageability piece comes back to the, the flex group and the fabric pool story, and yeah. then you know the solidifier story, um, on Command Insight, the portfolio products we have, and that are going to help enable data management, a more more of a uh, easy way to, to to deal with things and a way to get things to the cloud or back uh, whenever you want it. Anything else uh, from Insight that you think? Uh, uh, well, we went on stage um, during the tech team forum. Uh, me and Andrew had the opportunity to go on stage and do a podcast in real time. Yeah, you you we, we upgraded Glenn's for that. We, we did. Well, yeah, the joke was, you know, where's Glenn? Oh, we got one right here. Cool. Um, yep. So, yeah, so Glenn Deckhazer from Red A helped us out. He's one of the NetApp A team members. And uh, we just basically went on stage and talked about DevOps because that was the, the topic du jour, right? Yeah. And it actually turned out pretty well. I think uh, the crowd, it was another instance where the crowd, like, they're used to guys just coming out on stage and talking. Right. And, you know, I, I roll out there in the guest beard and I'm like (laughs) doing my sweet hip hop dance. And, uh, people are like, what is that? And yeah, I mean, it was pretty quiet. So I think it fell flat, but afterwards they were like, yeah, that was cool, man. That was cool. We liked that.
1: I always, I, uh, one of my favorite things ever is when they, when they get a hype man at a tech show, right. I remember, uh, Microsoft used to do that. All Microsoft, the time. it was, yeah, Microsoft TechNet or Orlando. Uh, the last Orlando one was my favorite. Or no, not Orlando, I New Orleans. The last New Orleans show, they had some jazz band up on the morning keynote. And, and these guys, they're just jamming man they were going nuts it was amazing and and you could tell the singer was just so disappointed because he kept being like come on microsoft Woo! you and he just kept trying to get the crowd into it and it was just twenty five thousand geeks looking at him going dude you're doing a great job like no no we're appreciating you like we're very happy but this is how we
0: appreciate you in quiet yeah there's actually a silicon valley scene like that i think wasn't a kid rock on stage or something y- yes and it's thank a private you. party okay, yeah. perfect yeah it was a private party and he's like he's like whatever dude <laughs> That, it's 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 totally that. we at it, Cisco Live, it was the same thing
1: this year. Uh, I, earlier on this podcast, I shared that I was fortunate enough to go see Maroon Five at Cisco Live. Um, <laughs> Adam Levine gets up there at a certain point. He literally says in the microphone, why are you guys even here? Cause nobody was singing. <laughs> he, was, he was confused. He did, he couldn't comprehend why all these people showed up to his show, but it's just, it's a different crowd, right?
0: Yeah, it is it's definitely a different crowd. I mean, they're not necessarily there for the music. They may not have heard of the bands. I mean, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting for sure. When you go to those events. It's, it's, I just, I've always enjoyed that,
1: that, that little dynamic of, of extroverted performers interacting with our
0: community. Uh, another uh, highlight of the event, the NetApp A-team uh, really showed up in force. I mean, they were, oh yeah, they were doing a good job, a lot of, uh, a lot of tweets, a lot of blogs, uh, just all over the place. Um, so that, that was good to see. Uh, They're really making an impression out there uh, advocating for NetApp. Uh, Sam Moulton did a good job organizing all that. Plus there was the arm wrestling event. I was a little scared I
1: yeah uh, I, I thought that we may lose an arm I, I I told them that this this was inappropriate and unsafe and this is a family venue but uh, you know Sam and uh, Amy
0: they weren't gonna have any of it it was a bit of a rivalry i mean it, you know they threw down and uh, they're going to do it again in berlin apparently yeah well d- they 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 still have an arm that works you know
1: they broke the other one right. but but they still got a good one so they're going to go do it again and we'll we'll, we'll hopefully
0: we'll have a, a true champion that's right and what people don't know is before that the undercard um dan barber just dominated everybody from the a team dan barber from the a team so he was he was arm wrestling like ed morgan from the a team uh ryan Beatty, just like these beefy dudes dave marrera like and like oh we just destroying them all that's hilarious yeah he was he was totally just taking them on i uh d- d- b- speaking of
1: the a-team uh can i just throw a shout out to my good buddy chris makey <laughs>
0: makey yes we actually made that joke i know i the, saw the recording uh that was pretty good yeah yeah so yeah um, all in all uh good time they were uh they were really good uh Oh, it, was, it was a good event. We'll we'll see them again in uh, Berlin. Well, some of them in Berlin, not all of them, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: All in all, man, that sounds like we had an amazing week and I am super jazzed that, uh, I get to join the team when we head out next month to Berlin. I don't have a customer deployment going, so, so I'll get
0: to come this time. Uh, anything else, Justin, that we got in the can? Yeah. Um, so we actually were able to interview a few people. I got to interview Dave Wright, uh, CEO of Solid Fire. Ooh. And, you know, so that was pretty good. And, uh, also, Brian McCloskey, because he was there as well, the, the lead of the SEs for SolidFire. Nice. Uh, and then I was actually able to interview one of our uh, premier sponsors, uh, Fujitsu. Um, they were actually on the main stage doing a keynote. Uh, they were doing a keynote about their new K5 solution, uh, OpenStack deployment. Oh, yeah. Basically making deployment of OpenStack and cloud easier for customers basically as a service, right? So uh, we did that interview, and uh, if you want to take a listen, here it is. Insight Las Vegas 2016. I was fortunate enough to convince one of Insight's main sponsors, Fujitsu, to sit down with us and talk to the Tech on Tech podcast about their keynote session. I was able to get Barry Mallion over here to talk to us about the keynote session Barry, tell us what you do at Fujitsu and what kind of planning went into that keynote session.
2: So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. I am the uh, global uh, CTO um, for the uh, cloud services within Fujitsu. Um, I work for a group um, in Japan. Um, and um, and I work across all the different regions within Fujitsu. Okay, so are you based in Japan, or are you based, I guess, in Australia? I am based
0: in Dallas, just outside. Oh, so you're not. Richardson. So you're you're manning this Japanese team from Dallas. Yes, correct. That's pretty interesting. So, uh, How often do you travel to Japan?
2: Um, up till recently, I've pretty much been going once a month to, uh, to Japan. Once a month. So.
0: That's a long flight. I've done that. Yeah. It's like a, a 16 yeah, hour? 13,
2: 13 and a half hours there, yeah. which is slightly shorter coming back, yeah. Um, but yeah, right. it's, it's a long flight. Yeah. How much planning went into the session going into this, mean, were you involved
0: in the planning at all? I mean, were you involved with the, the slide deck and everything? What, what sort of planning went into it? How long did it take?
2: Yeah, so um, so we've been planning this with, uh, with the Alliance group um, for um, six months. Um, Getting the uh, getting the slideware done, doing the marketing, um, and, and all that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, around about six months, um, pulling the messaging together. Um, you know, we've uh, we've got platforms deployed in the UK and in Japan. Um, obviously, leveraging that, leveraging the sales enablement and marketing that's been going along with that. So we've been talking about the keynote session in a
0: very high level, we haven't really mentioned what the keynote was, but what was announced was the K5 cloud service that you guys are providing, correct? Correct. So, tell us about that cloud service and how you're leveraging NetApp's Data Fabric to enable that vision. Okay,
2: so um, so Meta-Arc is uh, Fujitsu's um, ecosystem of partners, solutions, technology, um, and services. And underpinning Meta-Arc, um which is our digitalization um, capability, we're uh, we developing is um, is K K5. five K fives are OpenStack um, cloud. Um, it uh, is, uses NetApp um, Data Fabric uh, to support it. It's a global cloud, um, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, available um, around the world. Um, it's currently available in Japan and in, uh, in the UK. Um, and, um, you know, it, uh, it comes in different deployment modes, um, which is one of the, uh, the real key um, differentiators of it. it comes in public cloud, private cloud, or virtual private uh, multi-tenant, uh, as well as private dedicated um, versions, so it can be on our site or on, uh, on the customer's premises, um, and it's all the same architecture. So, so, um, so from a NetApp perspective, you know, it's absolutely c- crucial, you know, key to the uh, to the success of the platform. Um, we're using the NetApp within it. Um, it's all the same architecture, um, which makes it standard. It's all built on the, uh, the data fabric from NetApp. Okay, so is it NetApp
0: FAS and ONTAP Cloud and together, or is it just, just ONTAP Cloud? Okay. Yeah, okay. Both.
2: Both, uh, okay. And, and you're doing uh,
0: replications.
2: Correct, yep. And we, uh, we use ONTAP within the platform mm-hmm. um, for its, uh, its replication. Okay. Mm-hmm. This OpenStack de- deployments are they Cinder, or are they Swift, or are they Manila, or all of the above? So um, we so Fujitsu's got its own distribution of, of OpenStack. Um, we are we're rolling out Kilo at the moment. Okay, um, and then there's uh, there's roadmap um, uh, plans to to upgrade those. Okay, excellent. So OpenStack
0: is pretty renowned for being. Pretty difficult to set up for a lot of people. I'm, I'm, I, I'm guessing that Fujitsu's value add here is the end-to-end distribution and setup of the OpenStack deployment. Correct?
2: Correct. Yeah. So, um, so the the service that um, the, uh, Fujitsu offers is a fully managed service. So, through the four um, deployment modes: um, public, virtual, private. Um, private dedicated on, on our premises say, and private dedicated on the customer's premise they're all um, cloud services that we would um, fully manage end-to-end for the customer so we would do the uh, installation configuration ongoing management of those clouds um, we have a, a fifth deployment mode which is our PrimeFlex family which is um, openstack for cloud um, but that is a, um, a, a fully configured, um, tested uh, rack, on, on exactly the same architecture that goes out to the customer's premise for them to manage. But it's fully configured and deployed to the customer and installed by Fujitsu. That's
0: good. That's good. It'll help a lot of people out to get the, the cloud environment they need and want without mm-hmm. having to go through all the hoops to get it. Um, so, as far as the support for you know platforms, are, I mean, are you doing hypervisor only? Are you doing bare metal only? What sort of things are supported?
2: So, we support KVM, VMware, and bare metal within the uh, OpenStack platform. Okay, so a lot of options there. Yeah.
0: Um, are there any differences in the offerings? Like when you offer something like KVM versus uh, VMware, is there any sort of difference in the licensing model? I mean, is it is the offering still the same?
2: The offering is exactly the same. Okay. Um, and um, we also offer as a, as a wrap around, service wrap around the, uh, the platform, the ability to be able to migrate. So we offer migration services and workload services, which fit on top of the platform. So um, So K5 is an infrastructure as a service as well as a uh, platform as a service offering. So uh, on top of uh, the infrastructure, we have um, platform services like Cloud Foundry and, um, and other platform services um, like migration services, blueprinting services as well. So all of that's wrapped up in, around that. So we make it as easy as possible um, for the customers to be able to migrate onto our platform. Excellent. And are you are
0: you selling it as a entire offering? Or are you doing like... You know you can buy this much storage at this amount of time and then you get this much later is it is that how it works or is it
2: consumption based yeah, yeah yeah so um, so it is consumption based model mm-hmm. um, so you can com- compute storage um, we have do object storage so you know we can do um, we can do that on a consumption basis as well okay
0: and this is Fujitsu's own cloud offering and you're not leveraging any other cloud services like
2: AWS or Azure so, from a uh, so within the Metara ecosystem, there's hybrid IT. Um, K five is a platform that sits underneath hybrid IT. Um, it's one of uh, a few platforms, uh, cloud platforms that Fujitsu have. Mm-hmm. Um, we have VMware uh, cloud platforms, um, uh, converged infrastructure platforms, also using uh, Netta, um, and. Uh, uh, across the top of that, we have our uh, cloud management platform called Fujitsu Cloud Service Manager. Um, within that um, management layer, we're able to manage orchestrate uh, across the hyperscale clouds, so AWS, Azure, as well as our own um, private clouds, K5, um, VMware, as well as existing uh, traditional IT, VMware virtualized environments, and, and pull all of that up into a global portal for a single global portal for the customer. Excellent, so you guys have like a little menu that you give people? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so within that FCSM layer there's marketplace um, or catalog um, of services and blueprints we can set up with the customer when we deploy it. we uh, Part of the, sort of the upfront consulting is to, to you know, work with the customer to do those initial blueprints and images, um, and then through the lifecycle, you know, the customers c- can create blueprints and images and put them into their particular marketplace, or, you know, they can, uh, you know, we'll do that for them as part of the managed service. Excellent. So it sounds like
0: they have a lot of options to work with there, and mm-hmm. it sounds like you guys are really enabling them to do this easily and being able to have their own clouds without having to deal with all the overhead of that. Yep, absolutely. So my understanding is there's other there are other companies out there that offer a similar uh, type of service offering, right? What is Fujitsu's key differentiator here? What makes them the solution I'd want to choose as a customer?
2: Okay, so the, um, the key differentiator around um, Fujitsu's K5 platform is the different deployment modes. So it has public cloud, and it has virtual private cloud, it has uh, private dedicated in our data center as well as private dedicated on the customer's data center. Um, they all come with the single global portal for K5, so the customer has the ability to be able to orchestrate and manage um, workload um, across those different deployments. So if a customer, for example, had a private dedicated version of K5 on their, in their data center, then through the portal, they'd be also be able to orchestrate and manage workload on the public cloud, for example, in either the region they're, they 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 reside in at the moment, or in one of the other regions. Um, so the the, the, the the uniqueness about that is they can they can do their uh, application testing and, and DevOps on the public version of K5 and then they can move it across very, very easily and seamlessly across to the um, private version of K5 um, very easily because it's exactly the same architecture. They won't need to go through the retesting of the application, they won't have you know, to do the DevOps on the public version and then have to go through and retest that application on a completely different infrastructure when they move it through to production. Excellent. So. I heard you mention virtual private cloud a couple of times, and I personally we haven't heard that term before. Could you go a little bit into what that is? Yeah, so what that is is basically a multi tenant version of the cloud. So it's, um, it has, um, it's basically a virtual private cloud, so it's multiple customers, multiple tenants, um, with all the necessary security and network segregation. And, okay, and so is
0: this across regions, or is this?
2: So within a within a region, so okay. the way that K five is architected is it's made up of availability zones and and what we call K five regions. Mm-hmm. So multiple availability zones per K five right. region. So each one of those K five regions, if it's a virtual private cloud, will have multiple. A will be a multi-tenant or multi-customer environment. And the multi-tenant architecture, fits nicely
0: into the clustered OnTap Correct. scenario because we do have the ability to segment off. Individual storage virtual machines to be multi multiple tenants across an entire storage system. So that works out well for you Absolutely, guys. Yeah, you mentioned we have support for UK and Japan. What about the US? I mean, that's gonna be a pretty major market when are we when can we expect to see the K5 offering there
2: K5 will be delivered by spring 2017 as a platform in the US. Okay, excellent.
0: Thanks for uh, thanks for offering that up So one last question this is the hardest one I'm gonna ask you. What was your favorite part of NetApp Insight?
2: So the, 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 uh, the, the most favorite part for me about coming here is the ability to be able to network. You know, we're a huge partner with, with NetApp. I talk to a number of NetApp people on the phone um, on a daily basis um, and also other partners uh, that work with NetApp. Um, and um, so it's a great opportunity to do the network here and actually meet up with some people face-to-face. So Excellent. That, that's what really works for me.
0: All right, so yeah, they, they did a good job talking about the K five deployment and how they're uh, giving customers enable it enablement to create their own clouds, whether they're hybrid or private or you know public clouds.
1: Yeah, it's it's we've talked about it on this very show, right? It's it's what you and I enjoy about our roles these days, and and, and specifically the role that NetApp is taking in the infrastructure stack. You know, we really are getting to be a true partner and and helping all of our these other fabulous partners go solve these
0: problems. Right, and not just talk
1: about it, but but do it, and that's way more fun.
0: Yeah, like uh, Joel Kaufman actually brought up the uh, the BASF com- comparison, right? Yeah, you know, enabling enabling everyone yeah. else. Yeah,
1: yeah, I thought I thought that was great, right? We don't make the things that you
0: do, but we make the things better, or something he said. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good way to approach it. I mean, don't try to be what you're not. Don't try to be what you're not good at. Yeah, you know, do what you're good at, and you know, as Curian says, execute. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That 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 is where. Oh God, I love
1: that man. He he is he is cut from the cloth that I care about because we're eye to eye on that. I don't I don't care about your silly ideas. Show me show me getting stuff done. He don't take no guff. Nope. I like the word
0: guff. <laughs> it's a fun word. It is a fun word.
1: Well, all right, Justin. I'm sure we've got uh, and actually I already know because I have access to our calendar. We've got some uh, podcast meetings that 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 we've set up after uh, Insight. So we've got some great shows coming for the listeners in coming weeks. So listeners stay
0: on board. But. Uh, I think we're good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this week, uh, you know, it was tough to get people corralled because, you know, it's the week after Insight and everybody's kind of just recovering and trying to catch up on work they missed out on. Uh, But in the coming weeks, we'll have a podcast on security. Uh, We'll have one on Fabric Pool, so stay tuned for that. We'll bring in the the Fabric Pool PM to talk more about that. And, uh, you know, if you want to give us some uh, ideas of things you'd like to hear, podcast at netapp.com is always open for you to, to make requests. Sweet. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at podcast.netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review on behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, except for Andrew, jerk. Thanks for listening.
1: You know the funny part about that is, if you email the show, Andrew's probably gonna reply back to you. Yeah, either me or Andrew. Yeah, oh, it's right? not me.
0: Yeah, Glenn's <laughs> like, no, I've got no time for this. I, that is not it at all. No, we're, we just beat Glenn to the punch. Glenn's like doing like, you know, real life things. I and mean, Andrew just glued to our email. I don't know how you guys keep your email open. I,
1: I check my me? email at four out. o'clock it's in the afternoon. Me, and by the oh, time me. I open it, like you guys have already answered everything.
0: For me, it's a compulsion. I hold over from my support days where I always had to watch my email to make sure that work didn't pile up the next day. Nope, screw that. Yeah. yeah, I got to get out of that.